So I've already watched the video like 10 times. <laughs> I thought I would get it all out before today, but um, thanks for being here today. Uh, it was about a year ago, it was last fall, I came to um, Stephen and uh, Emily and Dan, uh, pastors, we had a meeting, and I said, hey, I don't know if you guys realize this, but next year is going to be our 10-year anniversary. Um, should we do something uh, for that? Because uh, I wasn't sure. If you know me very well, I'm not a very nostalgic person. And, um, and a lot of you have been coming here more recently, and I didn't want to start being one of those old guys. Remember the good old days when we used to walk to church in the snow, right? <laughs> Uphill both ways. Like, um, but they, uh, Dan and, and Stephen said, yeah, we definitely need to do something. Um, and Emily said, party? Uh, yes, we're having a party. And so uh, here we are um, today. So today's obviously different and special. Uh, if you happen to be visiting, um, we're glad you're here. If you happen to be new in the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking about this milestone in our church's life for a little while. Um, and we hope it's given you a glimpse into who we are as a church. Um, I also hope you'll come back next week. Things will get back to normal a little bit then we're going to kick off a new sermon series and look at some cool stories uh, from the Old Testament. Um, but today we're not going to have a traditional uh, sermon. We're just going to take some time to remember and to celebrate. Um, so uh, I've asked each of the pastors to come up and just take a few minutes. And each of them are just going to share one or two things that makes NDC special um, to them personally. And then also just give us a blessing or a word of encouragement for us as a community. And after that, um, I'll come back up and I'll wrap up with um, just a story from the Bible that might help us. Um, so our pastors are currently uh, Dan Snyder and Emily and Stephen. They'll share. But also Jason uh, Malik. He's one of our founding pastors. He's in town uh, to celebrate with us. If you're new to New Denver, um, Jason was one of the founding pastors and ended up making a career move a few years ago and moved away. Um, but... Uh, his fingerprints are on everything uh, here at this church, and he's a real huge part of what has made New Denver what it is today. So he's going to come up and share first. Thanks, Norton. Well, what a privilege uh, to be here. Uh, I've stood on this stage many times over the years, and uh, like Norton, it's, it's uh, deeply emotional to be able to look out on this community. Norton said, I'll, I'll share uh, one or two things. I'm going to share three because I'm a preacher, not a very good preacher, but I'm, I'm a preacher, so I preach in, in threes. Um, a couple of things. He's, he's giving the sermon later, so this won't be kind of biblical truth or wisdom, but basically kind of a commissioning, a calling, even a challenge to us as a church. Uh, the first is this. Uh, the word presence means a lot to me. In fact, one of my mentors and spiritual directors, Kent uh, Wave, uh, is here. Kent has been journeying with me for about seven years and has really taught me the value, the meaning, the, the importance of the word presence, to be present to one another. And I think you, you saw and heard in those testimonies how authentic people here are. And I think that authenticity is because we look one another in the eye and we are deeply caring. We're present to one another. We're also present to the community. We said when we set out as New Denver Church that if this church were to disappear, we want the community, whether people are followers of Jesus, whether they've ever set foot in this place, we want them to know it. We want them to mourn the loss of this community. And that's because of the presence 
of this community. We also want to be present to uh, the city of Denver. We are for this city. So we're for one another, we're for the community, and we're for the city. Um, uh, you may not know it, but uh, church plants, about 85% of church plants die within the first three years. So uh, any organism uh, takes time to grow. And here we are 10 years in. So this is incredibly challenging, challenging work. In fact, uh, when we first came to Denver, we met with a bunch of different pastors and leaders in the city and basically just asked for advice. And I remember one guy, I don't remember his last name. His name was Kevin. Uh, he, said, he said, I can sum it up in one word stay. Stay. And that leads to the second uh, word, and that is perseverance. Church planting is incredibly difficult. And if you're a founder of anything, heck, a founder of a family, it's really, really hard, really hard. Um, in fact, you saw uh, pictures of our very first service. I think Stephen preached. There were 25 or 30 people there. And I was on slate for the, uh, the second service. And I, people were so excited about me preaching that I grew the community from 25 to 4. <laughs> to, to 4 people at our second service. We celebrated communion. Brian, I don't know if you were leading worship, but uh, can you imagine like we're halfway through the first verse and we're done? <laughs> we're like waiting. You know, perseverance is incredibly important. Uh, and uh, the third is this uh, prophetic voice. Uh, as Norton said, I, we moved to the East Coast uh, several years ago and I, I joined an organization called American Bible Society. We have, uh, we're a 203-year-old organization, have done a tremendous amount of research on um, kind of trends in our nation. And if you know much, yeah, well, you don't have to know much. We can all look around and see that our culture is changing dramatically. And over the past decade, uh, we have seen Bible engagement, church affinity, people who are open to Jesus become uh, well, a, a little more antagonistic. Statistically speaking, uh, Bible engagement is down and skepticism and even antagonism is up. And so preaching about Jesus, um, about the truths of the gospel are incredibly difficult in today's day and age. And so I want to encourage each of you to continue that prophetic voice. Uh, so to pastors, to elders, uh, to volunteer leaders, to every one of you, be present, uh, persevere, and continue with that prophetic voice. Thanks. All right. Um, my name is Dan. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, Norton basically asked us to share for five minutes, so I'm on the clock. Um, about what New Denver has meant to us. And he suggested maybe like a word or a phrase that would, um, that stuck with us. And for me, I've been here for nine years and um, I'm going to cry. I know it. Uh, and I, um, the word that stood out to me um, as I prepared this week was acceptance. So thanks for accepting my literal ugly cry like 10 minutes ago. Um, I was like heaving um, in tears. So thanks for accepting me. But um, there's this running joke, and it's true, that uh, when I interviewed for the job here, um, I wore this hat backwards um, to my interview with Stephen Redden. Now, I wouldn't recommend that if you're interviewing for a job, um, but to be honest, oh, whatever, um, there's a little bit inside of me that's like this rebellious um, kind of 
person then and also now. But um, I grew up in a faith tradition in which you would never be able to wear a hat into the church. You would never, uh, in fact, you can't wear a hat when you're praying, right? And there's all these rules and regulations and like laws to follow God. And, um, and then, you know, uh, I left the church for a little bit of time and then um, I found a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I found in that acceptance personally, um, but I also found that um, there's not rules. There's not things you have to do to please God. He just loves us as we are. He accepts us as we are. And so in my interview, I wanted to make sure that New Denver Church, all 20 of us at the time or so, was a place where we were accepted as we are. Forward hat, backwards hat, jeans or shorts or whatever, and may I even dare say Dodgers hats, you're accepted here too. (laughs) We're all accepted. Um, To continue kind of the personal journey that I've been on, uh, many of you guys know that I'm in recovery, uh, and I have been for 11 years or so. Um, I used to be an alcoholic, and um, I was, and on my worst days, even today, I'm still ashamed of that. I'm embarrassed by that. Um, But I found acceptance through my heavenly father and the grace that he provides me in my recovery and the strength that he provides me in my recovery. But I found so much acceptance here at New Denver Church, both as a staff, Norton, Stephen, Jason, uh, and all of you guys that have worked alongside of us through the years, such acceptance, um, but also in our community of faith. Um, You guys, I've found so much acceptance, and I hope that never changes. And what I know in nine years of working here at New Denver is that just below the surface, every one of us has a desire to feel acceptance. Every one of us probably has a little bit of pain. Maybe it's big or maybe it's small. But I want to encourage you to continue to show up here at New Denver Church because I hope and I pray that you will feel the acceptance of your heavenly Father and that you'll feel the acceptance of every other person sitting in this congregation with us. I want to end with a uh, prayer that uh, one of my favorite authors and theologians is a man by the name of Brennan Manning. And um, he wrote a book that was really pivotal in my turn back to faith called Ragamuffin Gospel. And um, in the beginning of the book, he writes a prayer for anyone that's going to read the book. And I don't think Brennan would mind if he were still alive uh, that I adapted that version from his book into a prayer for our community of faith. So we'll put the word up on the, the words up on the screen. And I'm just going to pray that over us this morning and as we continue into the future. New Denver Church exists with a specific audience in mind. This church is not for the super spiritual. It is not for the muscular Christians who have made John Wayne and not Jesus their hero. It's not for academics who would imprison Jesus in their ivory tower of exegesis. It's not for the uh, noisy, feel-good folks who manipulate Christianity into a naked appeal to emotion. It's not for hooded mystics who want magic in their religion. It's not for the Alleluia Christian who live only on the mountaintop and have never visited the valley of desolation. It's not for the fearless and tearless. It's not for the red-hot zealots who boast with the rich young ruler of the gospel, all these commandments I have kept from my youth. It's not for the complacent 
who would hoist over their shoulders a tote bag of honors, diplomas, and good works, actually believing that they have made it. And it's not for the legalists who would rather surrender control of their souls to rules than run the risk of living in union with Jesus. If anyone is still praying along, New Denver Church is for the bedraggled, the beat up, the burnt out. It's for the solely burdened, sorely burdened who are still shifting the heavy suitcase from one hand to another. It's for the wobbly and weak need who know that they don't have it all together, together and are too proud to accept the handout of amazing grace. It's for the inconsistent, unsteady disciples whose cheese is falling off their cracker. It's for the poor, weak, sinful men and women with heredity, hereditary faults and limited talents, including reading. <laughs> it's for the earthen vessels who shuffle along the feet on feet of clay. It's for the bent and bruised who feel that their lives are a grave disappointment to God. It's for the smart people who know they are stupid and honest disciples who admit they are scalawags. New Denver Church is a church for myself and anyone who has grown weary and discouraged along the way. Amen. I'm Emily Schultz. I'm one of the pastors here. And when I think about New Denver, the word that comes to mind instantly is community. Churches all have their strengths and their weaknesses, and we know our church is not perfect, but I think one of our real strengths is community. I came here four and a half years ago, and this community welcomed me with open arms, and I hope that when you hear community, you know I mean you. You welcomed me, and you've blessed me in so many, so many ways throughout these years. I think about the time when someone left me a note with money inside and a poem telling me to buy myself some winter boots because I had moved here from California and didn't have any and it was pretty pathetic. Um, I still don't know exactly who that was. I think about the time when someone gave my husband Phil and I their car that they didn't need anymore and I was so excited because I was able to upgrade from my 99 Dodge Stratus LeBron to this 2003 Honda Accord. So I made it into the 2000s and just felt like the luckiest girl in the world. And then there was the time when I was super pregnant and exhausted and I was leading a D group. I hosted a women's D group in my home and one night a girl stayed after and said, hey, um, do you mind if I just stick around for a few extra minutes and do your dishes? And that is slightly embarrassing. I think they were stressing her out because she had looked at them the whole time during the group. But, but I said, yes, please help. And she stayed and washed them, and we talked. You've helped me move four times. You've laughed with me and cried with me and babysat for me and made me dinners. You've invited me over to watch football, even though you know every time I'm just going to fall asleep on your couch. You've invited me into your homes, your hospital rooms, your lives. And then last month, when my brother passed away, you were there for me. And you're still there for me. You've supported me and prayed for me and blessed me in so many tangible ways. I love being a pastor at New Denver because I love you. Like many of you, I am not from here. I don't have family here, so you really are my family. Phil and I, when we were starting to think about having kids, we made that decision. We said, you know, we're going to stay. 
we're going to be here, and the church is going to have to be our family. And you've done it. And the beautiful thing about this is I don't think this community is just reserved for pastors. I don't think my experience is entirely unique. Many of you have shared the community that you've been blessed by here, the community you found here. And on the flip side, I also don't think that receiving the benefits of this community is something that's automatic or guaranteed. It's a two-way street. I think it is possible to sneak in and sneak out and not ever really embrace being a true part of this community. But I think that if you take the steps to get involved, if you join a D group, if you go to connect events and workshops, if you serve, if you attend the men's and women's retreat, not both, just one, whichever applies to you, <laughs> go to Guatemala, if you take these steps, if you just stick around after service, don't run out the door, but linger, get to know the people around you, invite them out to brunch and continue the conversation. If you do these things, or at least some of these things, I know our community is ready and eager to meet you halfway and become your family too. So here's the blessing that I want to pray over you today. May NDC continue to welcome people with open arms, whoever they are, wherever they are on their spiritual journey. As you continue to take steps to engage this community of faith, as you show up to help people move and wash their dishes and let them nap on your couch, May you be blessed by the wonderful people you find here, and may you be a blessing to them as well. And most of all, may God continue to be the glue that holds this family together, so that as we draw closer to him, first and foremost, as a byproduct, we also draw closer to one another. Good morning. My name is Stephen, and I've had the privilege to be here uh, since the beginning, since uh, Norton and Jason and I met at a little coffee shop, uh, co-working space in Alpharetta, Georgia, and said, we've all talked about planning a church. What if we did one together instead of doing three things separately? And it all kind of went from there. And this week, I've been trying to figure out, <clears throat> what do you say in five minutes to sum up 10 years of experiences? And... Uh, Norton showed that video to us earlier this week to staff, and I'm so glad he did because I ugly cried. And it really, it took me by surprise because, like, Norton, I'm not a super sentimental or nostalgic guy. Um, but I think what really caught me off guard and what catches me off guard even this morning looking around this room at all of you, especially those of you who have traveled, who've come back, who've been a part of our community through the years, and you've come back to be a part um, it's so deeply moving because <clears throat> I realize how much bigger this community is than any one of us, any three of us. Um, and, and I've been drawn back to this verse during the week. Uh, it's a verse from the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, uh, one of the leaders in the early church, was writing, writing to a group of Christians, new Christians in the city of Corinth. And he writes this letter, and there's this disagreement that's happening between the house churches, these tiny house churches that had sprung up. And, and, and it's reassuring because even in the beginning, people were fighting over, like, who liked who's preaching better and who had the cooler worship service or whatever. They were fighting over who they followed and who they liked. I like Paul. I like this guy, Apollos. And Paul writes, and he just says, you know, Stop it. 
like stop it. If they made an like an emoji version of the Bible, he would have the face palm because he's like, you guys are missing it. It's not about us. It's not about the individual leaders. It's not about any individual people. I'm nothing, Paul. I am nothing. Apollos is nothing. What matters is God. He says, somebody has to plant. He draws on an analogy from, from agriculture. He says, somebody has to plant the seeds, but then somebody has to water. Somebody has to tend the crops, but it's God that makes it grow. And so he says, 1 Corinthians 7, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. And I've been drawn back to that verse because it, it's been such an amazing privilege to be here from the beginning. <clears throat> and to, with Norton and Jason, take our little handful of seeds, um, the resources we had been given, the training and, and education and experience that we had, and to risk. And it was a risk, moving our families across the country in the middle of the Great Recession, to start a church in a city where nobody wants to go to church. That's risky. But guess what? In life, true, abundant, flourishing life requires risk. Everything that you do and I do that matters takes risk. Getting married, having kids, your job, your career, anything that matters requires real risk. And we took that risk, and we took our seeds, and we stuck them in the ground, and we waited and watched, and four people showed up to the second service, and we thought, is this thing going to grow? Because 85% of people who start churches like this die. I think the number's even higher in Denver, and, and, and there were days that I wasn't sure this day would ever come, to be honest. I didn't know if we were going to make it. But slowly the shoots started coming up, and as they did, they were people like all of you in this room. I'm looking around and seeing the faces of people who poured water on that little, that little shoot, who tended the ground and pulled weeds and made it happen, made everything happen that has happened in this community. You are a part of that. You have done that. We have done that together. And it's not me. It's not Norton. It's not Jason or Dan or Emily or any of us that matter. It's God who has made this community grow. And it is God that will continue to make it grow because now we have more seeds. And guess what? You're going to have to stick them back in the ground and risk and continue to believe that God can do more than we can possibly imagine. And so my prayer, my hope for us as a community is that over the next 10, 20, 30, however many years, God gives each of us. And that's the thing. Nobody's going to be here forever. I'm not going to be here forever. Norton's not going to be here forever. Already, many people have come in and out of this community. But while we're here, my prayer is we'll do what we've been called to do. We'll tend our little part. We'll water. We'll, we'll tend the ground. And God will make it grow and do more than we can imagine. Thanks for letting me be a part of the journey. Uh, so who remembers that story um, where uh, the nation of Israel is wandering through the wilderness for 40 years? You guys know that story? Am I the only one raising my hand right now? Okay, good. Um, you remember how God rescued them from slavery? Uh, first, and then it took them 40 years, um, and there were a whole lot of missteps uh, 
along the way. A lot of setbacks, a lot of failure, a lot of complaining. Uh, there were times where they begged Moses to go back to Egypt, right, where things would be better there. Um, there was one time where they turned their back on God completely. They started worshiping an entirely different God. But God stuck with them, and he was faithful, even when they weren't. Um, he protected them along the way. He cared for them. He forgave them when they came back to him. And eventually, he brought them to this land that he promised them. And the day that that happened was a really big day because there was a, a, a very clear boundary between what was wilderness and what was promised land. It was a natural boundary. It was an actual river. It was the Jordan River. And so as they're crossing the Jordan River that day, God gives some instructions to Joshua. Moses had passed along by that time, and Joshua had become the new leader of this group of people. And Moses gave him some instructions, and these are in the book of Joshua. He said this, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. I love this story. I love this detail that we're told of these 12 guys going to the river and picking up these stones and then bringing them over to their camp and piling them up in this big pile of stones that night because God knew that they needed to pause in this crucial moment and reflect on all that he had done. They needed to, to pause and, and look back and remember all that he had done. They needed to pause and celebrate all that he had done. And they needed to do it with an actual, tangible, physical object. It wasn't enough to just talk about it. They needed something they could actually touch, where they could look at it and feel it and touch it and, and always come back to this thing and, and look at it and be able to remember that God was faithful. And he's the one that carried us through the wilderness. Uh, if you go up to the Rocky Mountains today, um, you see lots of different piles of stones that look like this. They're different kinds of markers. They're called cairns, and their purpose is a little different. They're put there to help you not get lost. They're put there so that you can always know the way forward. Here's another picture. This is a, a cairn on Mount Princeton. Um, Janice and I hiked it a couple of years ago. And uh, part of the way you walk up the road and then you come to this big pile of rocks on the right side and it's basically put there to say, you don't hike the road anymore. You take a right here and you begin walking up this slope. This is put here so you don't get lost. So you know the way forward. Here's another picture. Um, this is a cairn from the Wind River Range in Wyoming. Uh, I was backpacking there a couple of years ago with my friend Nick. And uh, we were supposed to go over this big pass in this picture. And you can't see it, but on either side of this massive field, there's a couple of peaks. And uh, it's not always clear how to get to the next valley 
below. So every few hundred yards in this huge field, there are these cairns, these piles of rocks to make sure you don't get lost, to make sure you know the way forward. And I think that's partly what Joshua's 12 stones were about as well. To not only look back and remember and celebrate all God had done, but to help future generations not get lost and to always know the way forward. Because you have to remember, as they're entering the promised land, their mission is just beginning. God has so much more in store for them. And if they ever started to wander away from him again, if they ever started to forget who he was or started to forget who they were as a people, if they ever began to lose their identity, they could always come back to this pile of rocks. And they could always remember who God was and who they were and the mission that he had given them. They could always remember what the way forward would look like. So today, on our 10th anniversary, we're going to build our own cairn. We're going to build our own pile of stones. Uh, we don't have 12 tribes, um, but we do have 10 years, 10 years of God's faithfulness. So in a moment, we're going to sing another song. And uh, when we do, 10 different people are going to come forward. Don't worry. We're not going to pick random people from the crowd. Uh, we've already talked to them ahead of time. 10 different people are going to come forward. And there are 10 different people who started coming to New Denver in each of the last 10 years. And they're going to carry with them a rock. And they're going to build a pile of stones up here. And really, they just represent all of us. They represent our entire community, and the stones they carry with them represent God's years of faithfulness. Now, I don't know where we're going to put this pile of stones <laughs> after today. Um, we'll glue them together so they don't fall apart, and uh, one idea is we could maybe put them next to the doors. Um, so every Sunday when you come in, uh, like a college football player, you could rub the pile of stones and then run down the middle, and everyone could applaud, right? unless you get here at 840, <laughs> and then no one will be here to applaud. <laughs> um, but there's one other idea that hit me a couple of days ago. Um, I think we need to add one more stone to the bottom to remind us that we didn't create this church. God did. And that we didn't build the church, God did. And Stephen reminded us, we didn't, none of us, grow the church. God did. And then when we've stumbled along the way, and we all have, God didn't. And when we lacked faith, he remained faithful. And may that stone at the bottom remind us that Jesus is the cornerstone. And that he's the foundation. And that apart from him, we can do nothing. And may these stones also point the way forward for us. <laughs> because like Israel, our mission is just beginning. We have a few years behind us, but I believe we have so many years 
in front of us. And I believe God wants to do so much more. And we want to continue to trust that he is at the work of building new lives, a new Denver, and a new world. So let me pray, and then we'll celebrate together. God, we do celebrate today, and uh, we thank you for this community. We thank you for the presence, the perseverance, the prophetic voice that exists in the people in this room. We thank you for the acceptance that so many of us have felt. Thank you for the love, and we thank you for the way that you have grown in each of our individual lives. Some of us have experienced your grace and your mercy in so many new and exciting ways. And so today we just worship and we thank and we praise and we sing. And we also remember and celebrate. And we do all of this in the name of Jesus.